morning, Northgate and friends. It's Sunday. It's time for our YouTube teaching. Today we're starting a new series on the parables, the words of Jesus in these little stories. So let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word. I pray that you would speak to us, encourage us, comfort us, challenge us. Lord, Holy Spirit, just uh, dig deep into our hearts. Help us to be receptive to hear, to apply your truth to our lives. So a couple of weeks ago, I decided to do this little series on the parables, and I think I'll name it The Power of the Parables. And I was talking to my son, Caleb, in Michigan, and he had given me a book a while ago that is on how to study the Bible, and it had a whole chapter on parables. And it was a joy this week to reread that and to understand a little bit of the context of the parables, why they were written, what they are. And the definition it used in that book is it's just simply a direct, simple story that the people would understand, giving them a principle about the kingdom of God, the character of God, that they could apply to their lives. Sometimes we look for deeper meaning and we go deep, deep, deep. But sometimes we fail to see what's directly on the surface. And that's what I appreciated about reading this chapter in this book on how to study the Bible. It's like, listen, just start with what is their face value, what Jesus was saying and trying to say to the people of the time, which certainly will apply to us. Though the stories might be a little bit uh, set in their culture. We have to understand that and a lot of the parables may be about seeds and harvesting and things like that and um, because that's the culture they lived in. That's who Jesus was speaking to. Now we have the added benefit for some of the parables as well that Jesus goes on to explain uh, the meaning to the disciples and thus we get to, to hear as it's written in the Gospels. But today I wanted to look at Matthew chapter 22, the parable of the wedding feast. Who doesn't love going to weddings? So let's read about it together in verse 1 of chapter 22. Then Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parable and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. Verse 4 again, he sent out other servants saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and fatted cattle are killed. And all things are ready, come to the wedding. Now, I just want you to note there that the king is God. That's a great place to start. And he's inviting. And one of the number one things we can know of the character of God is he's always inviting us. He's always inviting people. Here he's inviting to a wedding. And we can look out through scripture and understanding that there will be a great wedding feast of the lamb and we certainly are invited but god is always inviting us to himself to his kingdom into his presence that's just who he is so as we start understand that in the kingdom the king is always inviting that is the picture of who our god is and as we carry on it's not just going to be once it's twice it's three times always inviting. The response, on the other hand, is the people were not willing to come. So 
We carry on and it says why they weren't willing to come in verse 5 is they made light of it and went their ways, one on to his own farm, another to his business, and the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. But when the king heard about it, he was furious, and he sent out his armies, destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all who, whom they found, both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the servant, bind him hand and foot, take him away, cast him into utter darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Our king inviting. At first, people denying, making light of, or just busy. There's a parable in Luke 14, which is almost identical to this. It's a, it's a little bit different, a little different context. But the people had excuses, some saying, I bought land, I have to go see it. You might remember that. Or I bought some oxen, I have to go test them out. And all these excuses, if you think about them logically, are pretty lame excuses. Because who's going to buy land and then go look at it? In modern day, if you bought a car, then you go look at the car? Well, no, you would test drive the car first. You'd go see the land first. So even in the excuses, basically they're saying, we reject the invitation. We're not interested in going at all. We have our own things to do. The sad part, as we look at it, that even the messengers were murdered, it says. So what is this about? What is this parable talking about? And it's easy to see if you read chapter 21, just before 22 in Matthew, and into 23, it's all about the Pharisees, the religious ones of Israel. And in chapter 22, it's also going to talk about the Sadducees and the scribes and that relationship they have with Christ where they rejected him clearly as the Messiah. So we know that the Jewish religious ones certainly rejected Christ. They want nothing to do with this wedding feast. They reject God. They reject Jesus as the Messiah. And I would say probably maybe knowing, but still rejecting, too busy, business, finances, their life. We don't want to accept this invitation. So it's clear that they would even murder some of the messengers. And we look of Israel and the Jews and the religious ones through the course of the Old Testament into the New Testament and beyond that some of the prophets were murdered as they gave the invitation to the kingdom of God, as they talked prophetically about Jesus, or they spoke about Jesus who was, that the Pharisees, example, would be Stephen, or some in the past as they took some of those prophets like Isaiah, and they dealt with them in angry ways. But history would tell us that those who rejected in that time, those religious ones, their city would be burned. And 
yeah, as I mentioned, history would tell us in 70 AD, Jerusalem burned by the Romans. And this idea of this parable comes to pass that this story is saying that some have rejected and they've dealt with the messengers badly and that they were dealt with. That though Jesus is completely inviting and gracious, there is a point where he is righteous and judging as well. But as we move on in our story in this parable, then this inviting God says, okay, they've rejected, they're not worthy, away from Israel. And as Paul would always go to the temple first, and then he would go to the Gentiles to speak to the rest of the people, the rest of the world. And that's what these servants do. And that's what Jesus is saying in this parable. Go to the highways and gather the good and the bad. Invite them all. And aren't you so glad that God so loved the whole world that he gave Jesus, that he's inviting anyone, whether you're good or bad, I fail, but God invites me into forgiveness. He invites me to eternity to receive Christ as my savior, right? He's inviting us into his presence. The beauty of that into this wedding feast, come, whether you've been bad or good, that's not what the invitation is based on. It's just based on the graciousness of God, the beauty of God asking us. So then we come to this strange section in this little parable that someone came without proper wedding garment. And the king is upset at that fact. And you might wonder like me, like what in the world is all this about? Did he dress wrong? Did he not have a good suit? Like, why was he thrown out? Why was he poor? Was Why was God mad at him and throws him to where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth? And this is where it helps to know the context of the time that Jesus was speaking into to the people because they would have known if the king asked you to go to a wedding or a celebration of a high noble, you would have been given a wedding garment to attend in. Now, to us, that seems crazy. I have one suit. I wear it to every wedding I go to. I wear it to funerals, whether I'm attending or officiating. I love that suit, actually. It's an Italian suit. My uncle gave it to me. I'm proud of that suit. And I go with that suit. I would never be kicked out of a, a wedding with that suit. But you have to understand, it's not about that as much as they were given this garment and everyone would have a similar garment so that all eyes would be on the groom. All eyes would be on this bride, on this wedding. And so no one would take attention with their dress, bad or good, away from what they were celebrating. They were to be dressed in the king's garments, not their own. So this man who was not dressed that way must have rejected these garments and wore his own clothes and he would have stuck out because it was about what he was wearing and not about what he was given. And the beautiful picture here is it's not what we do, it's what Christ has done. It's not what we wear in our effort, it's his righteousness that he gives us, that allows us to go and stay at this beautiful wedding feast. You know, it's interesting in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 10, and Isaiah 61 is all about a prophecy towards Jesus. The prophet would speak of him. It says this in verse 10, 
I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation, and he has covered me with a robe of righteousness. What a picture. And those are the garments that we wear to this wedding feast, this this salvation, this righteousness, this King through Christ has provided for us. Because in our own work, in our own clothing, we certainly aren't enough for this feast. We need to be wearing what God offers us in this incredible invitation. We don't work for it. You don't work for a wedding invitation. You simply receive it and respond to it. And here they even had these amazing clothes to wear for this amazing feast. And all you had to do was respond. But what you couldn't do is reject and wear your work, your clothes, and we see the response. And that is a picture of salvation. It is not our work. It is not our ability. It is not our righteousness. We all fall short. It is wearing what has been given to us, receiving it by faith, the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world, all the world, invited all the world to the highways, the byways, the, the bad and the good. And he invites through the work of his son to come into this place of the wedding feast wearing his garments where we can celebrate. Praise the Lord. Again, we love weddings where we can rejoice where we can eat together, where we can fellowship. A beautiful, beautiful picture. And that's what God wants for us. But we have to wear his work, not our own work. And that last verse, for many are called, but few are chosen. God would desire all. But how do we understand this, that few are chosen? I don't know how to say this to people. It's a hard thing. God's sovereignty and free will come together. Uh, I don't think we can put them apart, put them together. But we choose the one who chose us. How do I know if I'm chosen? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are chosen. Well, what if I haven't chosen him today? Am I chosen? Well, choose him and you will be chosen. That's the picture we have. You're all invited. And we all have chosen and we all are wearing those beautiful garments of salvation and righteousness. And take a look and think of that even when we're doing spiritual warfare and we're thinking we put on the clothing of God, his belt, his breastplate, his righteousness, his truth, right? Uh, his peace, his salvation, helmet of salvation, all of these things. We wear his garments to come to this place this wedding feast. Well, what does this mean for us today? What a, a hope we have in eternity, wearing his salvation, his work, believing in that. But what does this mean for today? There's just one thing in this parable I, I want to say how it affects us today to apply to our lives. You know, in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus would say, the kingdom of God is among you. And I explain this to people is the king is here. The king lives in you, so his kingdom is among you. Now, Jesus was saying, I'm here. I'm your king. I'm with you. But for us, he lives in us, that our king lives with us. Now, obviously, we're changed glory to glory, and heaven will be way more than this earth. But to understand and to know that the king lives in you, that this kingdom, and to know that he has given you righteousness, that he has given you salvation, 
that he has given you all of these things and you can live in them, live in that truth in amazing, incredible ways. You don't have to strive to earn these garments. You need to receive them. You need to rest in this peace and the knowledge of truth and you will actually become what he sees you as. And I just know there's times in my life where I'm striving and I'm pushing and I need to be righteous and I need to do that. And I get distraught and discouraged when I'm not meeting this principle or this thought which I think I should be. But we can apply this today to say, well, no, the king of the kingdom lives within me and he's given me the garments I need. And I am righteous by the power of his blood. And now I'm going to respond to rest in that work and live in what I am. I just want to encourage you today. Maybe you're striving. Maybe you're tired. Maybe if you pray more, you read more. If you're kinder, all of these things. If I work harder, if I stand up, if I'm, if I'm stronger. Well, you're always going to fall short. You're always not going to be enough. You're always not going to look good enough in your suit until you put on his garments, his work. And as you put on his righteousness and his salvation, you will understand it's not about you, it's him. And again, you can rest in it. And as you rest in that, that changes the way you live and the confidence to do the right thing is not me earning it, but responding to it. And it changes everything. I know it's changed my life, truly knowing who I am and what I wear, and that the kingdom lives within me. And yes, I'm going to eternity, but yet now he lives within me and his power is available and he's made me righteous. That's a parable. Wow, that is a parable. That is powerful today. What a God we serve, always inviting, giving to us exactly what we need. And we need to simply respond to the invitation every day to choose to understand who he is and what he has done. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for these reminders. Thank you for this story. May we apply it to our lives, knowing our hope of eternity is based in Jesus Christ and his work. Applying it today, knowing that we're righteous and living exactly as who we are. God, thank you. Thank you for your word. We give you all praise. We worship you. You're so good to us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, you have a great week. Be blessed in knowing the truth as you believe in him that you are righteous. Go be what you are called. We'll see you later. Bye-bye.